Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of uh, the Once Bitten podcast. Uh, last year, I had the absolute pleasure to sit down and interview Didi Taihutu, the crazy Dutch guy that sold all of his belongings for Bitcoin, which uh, the media loved to go crazy over. They went crazy over it at the time, and uh, they, they still keep coming around to it. And uh, people always ask, whatever happened to that crazy Dutch guy that sold everything for Bitcoin? Well, you're about to find out. Um, I hope you enjoy this um, first ever time that I'm trying this. And uh, yeah, would love some feedback. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Today's guest has an incredible story to share and one I can't wait for you to hear. Two years ago, their family hit the headlines when it was reported in mainstream media that they had sold their house and belongings and changed all of their money into Bitcoin. They then took their three young kids out of the education system in Holland to world school and travel to many different countries, the whole time using Bitcoin. They were coined the Bitcoin family by Business Insider magazine in 2017 and are now on a mission to raise awareness of cryptocurrency around the world especially to help poorer nations understand the power of this financial revolution and how individuals can now enter into a global economy. It's my pleasure to introduce Didi Tahutu. Thank you very much for this beautiful and heartwarming welcome. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a pleasure uh, to be on the show and to help you guys. Thank you so much, Didi, for spending the time. It was, uh, it was, it's a thrill to get to speak to you and um, so much to get into. But let's start at the beginning. When, um, you know, before, before this life, before this new life, what was um, old life like? What, uh, what was keeping you busy during the day? And uh, can you just describe what led up to you having a sudden realization that there was something that you guys needed to change around your life? Um, it, it was a pretty normal life, you know. I, I, I had a beautiful youth. I, I needed to go to school because my parents told me uh, you need to have a very ni nice paper so you will succeed in life. And so I did. I studied higher economics and after that I started working. <clears throat> the time of working took only three months and I realized I wasn't the type of guy that needed to have a job or a work or a boss and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I started my first uh, business and that's uh, it started in a, in a very small souterrain uh, below my father's house uh, I, I bought a few computers and started educating people um, in, in computer skills and that grew um, at the end to a 1700 square meters uh, company with 20 people uh, 20 employees and uh, more than 200 computers educating people all um, um, about everything in, in IT business so <clears throat> that, that was um, the thing I used to do yeah Business. <laughs> so what, great. And what, what's, um, what was the point then that, uh, that you decided, hang on a minute, this, this isn't for me. So you'd, you'd already yeah. dropped out, let's say, of a normal life to become an entrepreneur. And then that, how long did that last and what made you change again? The thing what happened is before I started to be an entrepreneur, um, at my age when I was 24 years old, um, I went for dinner at my mother's place and we had dinner at Wednesday evening every Wednesday with my brother and my sister and my father. And, and at the end of the dinner, I said, goodbye, mom. I see you tomorrow. And uh, in the middle of the night, my brother called me. He, he was, mom is not breathing anymore. So I raced home and um, 
the doctors were still there and trying to get her back, but she f fell into coma and seven days year, uh, later she died. She was 48 years old and I was 24. I couldn't cope with those feelings, you know, and I, I, I just couldn't confront myself. I couldn't cope with the feelings. So I started to be a workaholic. Because of being this workaholic, I was able to build the first company and afterwards the second and the third company. So at, at that point in 2014, I felt like um, on top of the world, you know, I had, a, I had a growing businesses. I had even a management job on Malta. So I made a lot of money. And one of the goals in my life was um, at that point <laughs> becoming a millionaire. You know, that was my highest goal. Um, Till uh, 2014, when in December, I was driving my car, and my father called me, and he told me, Didi, um, are you sitting? Said, yeah, Dad, I'm, I'm sitting. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I just came from the hospital, uh, I'm diagnosed with cancer, and I just have one more year to live. And, of course, I immediately drive, drove home. Uh, he opened the door, we just hugged and cried. And um, again, I was at this point in my life losing a parent. He was 61, 61 years. And at that point, something snapped in me and I, I decided to hire a manager and to spend 2015 with my father and with my family and to spend my, uh, all those days, you know, the last Easter, the last Christmas, the last family holiday, all those things. And, and by doing that, I realized that the thing I was doing was not my passion. You know, my father was a professional football player. And after his football career, he started to be a professional football coach. And that was his passion. He always did it. Even when he, was, he knew he was going to die, he still continued training. He wanted to be on the field. And that woke me up. So when he died in 2016, January, um, I needed to arrange the funeral and all those things. And then something happened, which I couldn't have um, thought that would happen. You know, I was driving home. Uh, I was driving my kids to a birthday party. And suddenly, while driving I, at, a, um, at a crossway, um, I, I got like pressure on my chest. I need to stop the car. So I stopped the car and the kids were like, what's happening, daddy? What's happening? Nothing, nothing. It's just a little bit pain. I can drive on. So I handed my telephone to my oldest daughter and I put the number 112 in it. And I told her, if something happens, just dial the number and tell them where we are. And I dropped them off at the birthday party, I drove home. And there it happened again. Uh, I called my wife, she came home and I thought I was having a heart attack. But after seeing the doctor, he diagnosed me like with a burnout. So at that point, then everything fell into place for me. Okay, this is not the life I want to be living. I don't want to run this rat race anymore. I want to spend time with my family. I want to spend time with my children. I don't want to work 80 hours a week just to make a lot of money to buy a new car and another new car. Um, so that's when I started. That's when I decided with the family, okay, let's sell the company and let's start to travel and spend some time together so I, I get to learn my kids again. So that's, that was the point. Um, that was the point of no return. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That's uh, that's an incredible story. Um, so, but you, you still got many, many, many hurdles to clear there. You, you know, it's um, you have this epiphany and you, you want it to, you know, you have to change something. You know what you want now. You want that time with your family and to travel and experience with them. But um, that, that's not necessarily that easy to do in Holland. How old were the kids at this stage? And what were the challenges that you faced in, in taking them out of the education system? So the kids at that point, um, they were 
Oh, that's calculating. It's like at 12, 10, and six years old, I think. Um, of course, we have been, we had been already watching a lot of those videos, you know, about how you can't judge a fish by the ability of climbing a tree, and you know all those things. We, we, we always understood that the educational system was not the one we wanted it to be for the kids. The kids, our kids went to the, it's called Rudolf Steiner uh, uh, school, so that's it's free school a little bit. <clears throat> but when you decide to go and travel, the first hurdle you take in the, we need to take is we need to ask the government if we could um, take our kids. So I told the government, you know, it's like three months. I need to reset. I'm having a burnout. I need to spend time with the family. Can we go for three months? And then they just said no. They really said no. And I told them, why not? And then they all told me, Didi, if you do this, and you post things on Facebook, everybody wants to do this. And then I asked them, are you now treating me the same as people that like um, make misuse like my, of the system? And he's like, he couldn't answer it. And then I told him, I had a company. I had more than 20 employees. I paid my taxes. I did everything for the city. And now you're denying me a holiday of three months with my family because I need it, because else I will run against a train or whatever, you know? And they were, yeah, yeah, you're, it's, that's true, you, you can't. So I said, okay, thank you. And uh, I left two weeks later and we just flew. I, I think I, I just, I, I needed to get healthy. So, so we flew and we just went. And the three months we decided to go uh, became nine months. And uh, the nine months slowly went into 11 months <laughs> because we were the most happy family ever. We didn't have any luxury with us. My Jeep Cherokee was at home. My motorcycle was at home. My Cabriolet was at home. All the iPads, everything was at home. The kids were happy. I was happy. So I couldn't stop. This was exactly the feeling we were searching for for many years. Until I came home and, and it was like 11 months later. And then there was a letter of court. I needed to go to court. And I, will, I, I still remember reading it and not believing it. But I went. So I went to court and I, I expected to be in a, in a private room, you know, with a judge or something telling me what I did wrong. But I, need, I, I needed to walk into a real courtroom. You know, there, there was like a judge with a black toga. There were five other judges. And I needed to sit on this single chair in front of this. I had never, never been in court. And, and I, I asked him, what is happening over here, man? Well, what is this? Yeah, you are in court. I said, yeah, but you know, I just didn't send my kids to school, but I did homeschooling. I, I got help from the school. I did, I'm not a criminal. And then they told me, yeah, you are at the moment. You are like facing the punishment and, and, and you are a criminal. There, in, in Holland, there is a, a prison sentence. <laughs> you would be in prison for, because I showed my kids the world and I taught them way more than they have, could have learned inside those four walls on a school. So they asked me to tell me my, to tell my story. I did. I was lucky. It were like five female judges. Um, so I could play their emotions. I told them the story of losing my parents. I told them the story uh, <clears throat> of, of how I needed to change life. And um, so I came up off with um, a small financial fine and two years of probation. So two years of probation. <laughs> so I walked up to the judge and I told the judge, okay, thank you for this punishment. <laughs> I believe I understand what you're saying, but please tell me, what do I need to do? 
And then she's like, how do you mean? She said, I'm leaving tomorrow again. So what's the solution? You can't leave. You have two years probation. If you, if you do it again, you will go into jail for 30 days as a father. Then I will tell you, by, by, I'm telling you now, I will leave in two or three days. Give me a solution and, or find me somewhere in Thailand. And uh, she started laughing and she said, you're really serious about this. Yes, I am. This is my lifestyle. At that time, we were already born to the Bitcoin family. And we, you know, we, we felt this was a job. We need to travel um, as well for, for work. And then she, off the record, told me something um, which yeah, changed um, the possibilities for us to, to, to travel. So <clears throat> the day after, I went to um, the government's office and I um, I went there and told them um, I sold my house that was sold for Bitcoin and uh, I don't have a house anymore. So can you please deregister me from your city? And they were like, but yeah, we can, but to which new place, which new address? I said, no address. But you need to have a new address. I said, no, we don't. I'm, I'm going to travel and I'm going to search an address. Until that time, I will be homeless. I will be just searching and living on the streets and finding a new house. And then they were like, but there is no option in our system to, 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 to write this down. I said, yeah, what is the option? Yeah, I can just register as a homeless person. Then we are homeless. So, and then something happens because if you register yourself as a homeless guy in the Netherlands, you don't have an address. And then your kids are not in this table anymore. It needs to be registered in a town. So what does this, this government do in the Netherlands? They, they have like two tables. See, there's an access database. They have one table with all the kids in the city, one table with all the schools, and every kid needs to be in one of the schools on the, on, the, on the table. But if the kid is not registered anymore in the table of the city because it's uh, homeless, <laughs> then they cannot compare the tables and they can't find your kid. And that's... Um, the loophole um, to not send them in school to the Netherlands. So that's how we started to travel uh, legally with the kids and educating them. Uh, and, uh, by now we, uh, we uh, deregistered completely from the Netherlands and now we are registered as um, emigrated uh, Dutch people still homeless. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So. I don't know what to get. You left me speechless there. That's, that's, um, so, okay. So like you said, you, you, you owned a business, you played by all the rules, you played by your taxes, you'd been part of the system. And then all of a sudden the system that you thought had been your friend turns around and it, you, you can, it's completely stifling what you want to do. So how do you now look at, at the system, like whether that's government or well, obviously banking, because we'll get into that. Uh, was that a driver then that, that made you think about cryptocurrency? Was it this point that you started looking or did you already kind of um, heard about it and were already interested in it? Um, so I was always like a little bit against the system because I don't like system. I don't like um, um, that people tell you what to do. And I, um, but the, 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 the point I started with cryptocurrency was already in 2013. That, that's when I, when I still had my companies and everything. And there was a guy who told me, you need to look into Bitcoin. And I saw it. And he told me that ah, it's going to change the world. It's a revolution of the monetary system. And you can be filthy rich of it. So that was still in my time that I wanted to be filthy rich. Uh, and that's where I started mining Bitcoins. 
and that, that took to 2014 when I um, heard my father was sick and then I stopped everything. <clears throat> the second time I came uh, run into, into this Bitcoin uh, was when I was recovering from my burnout in Thailand. Um, we ended up in the beach in Bali, in Indonesia. And there a friend called me and he was like, Didi, do you still have your Bitcoins? And another coin was the Toke coin, the doggy coin. And I said, yeah, I still have them somewhere. You need to check them. They are going. They are flying up. And I was like, no, man, I'm on the beach in Bali. I'm enjoying time with my kids. It was a beautiful sunset. I had my Bacardi Coke. The kids were doing flip-flops. And I was like, I'm not going to check my and touch my laptop. I did in the evening. And then I saw, wow, it's starting. And then I started analyzing how many uh, forums people were talking about Bitcoin again. And I started analyzing the on-chain volume, uh, how, how many Bitcoins were transacted. And then I understood, wow, this revolution is starting. You know, the, the, the thing I believed in before, and this is really beginning now. And that's the point when I told my wife, um, shall we go all in? Um, and then she asked me, what is all in, Didi? And I was like, all in. It's like everything, our house, our cars, my motors, the clothes, the bikes, everything. Your 70 pairs of shoes, <laughs> you know, and then you get like a reaction at first. Like, okay, this is Didi, everything. You're the most materialistic guy. You're not going to sell everything. And I was like, yeah, but I'm happy. I don't have anything. We have two backpacks. We are traveling the world. We are happy. I don't need much anymore. I, I don't want to get back in the system that makes me sick, continuously makes me sick again and again and again. And then I told her, and if we look at our kids and how they have developed those last 11 months, that is the way we want our kids to develop. I don't want small robot kids. I don't want small walking zombies. I want those free-minded kids. Look how our kids, one of them was very shy in school. She flourished. She flourished like a beautiful flower. She was, she was like changing completely because of the traveling. And then I told her, why don't we take this opportunity to just teach our kids? They can completely have, can be completely happy without any luxury. Let's change our materialistic lifestyle to the minimalist lifestyle and just show our kids what life is really about. And it's about not accumulating more wealth, but it's also about sharing, you know? It's also sharing with other people, not money, but also knowledge or help, whatever you want to share. And, and that was the point for my wife that she's agreed. So that's the point I started to sell my Jeep and my cabriolet and my car online in Bali, invested it in Bitcoin, we flew home, and we put our house for sale for Bitcoin, that one was sold in two weeks time for Bitcoin. And, and that's when the media discovered this and that's when the, the bomb exploded and, and we were bombed uh, uh, to the Bitcoin family. Wow, that's a, that's a great story. Um, and it's still an ongoing story. So. Right, you've escaped, you've escaped prison. You've sold all your belongings. <laughs> you've, got, you've, you've got three kids out of school now. Uh, you've already done almost a year's worth of traveling. Um, now you've got Business Insider chasing you down and writing stories about you because you sold your house for Bitcoin. Uh, the media retention, that can, that can do weird things, right? Um, it, it, yeah. it can bring some strange people all of a sudden into your life and strange judgment. Uh, what, what happened... After that, like, you know, who came knocking at the door for more information? That was, the, of that is, that, that still is, I think, the, the big problem. People think that if you live this freedom life, that it is an easy life. 
Um, I can be honest, it's not always easy. You know, family is a family. If you travel, your kids can annoy you as well. And if you are at home, the kids can annoy you as well. For us, it was a very, um, 2017, 18 was, was a very heavy uh, life uh, because not only we, we just decided to change from materialistic to minimalistic, you know, which is a huge adjustment for kids that, has, that have been spoiled for years, you know. Daddy, I want a new iPad. Yeah, here, buy one. Daddy, I want an own quad. Yeah, buy it. And now you need to change those kids' mindset again because you think it's better to be a minimalist. So that was a huge change. And then at the same time, you're bombed to this Bitcoin family, so the media takes you, so you have like the double amount of changes in your life. And the first three months, we did over, um, I think, 200 interviews. The first three months, we lived in a campsite in the Netherlands. There were companies coming and flying from Australia, from Ukraine, from the United States. They flew to us to make documentaries, to record us, to do interviews. We are part of more than, I think, five documentaries at the moment. Huge documentaries made by Wall Street Journal, which was not easy. Um, uh, for a family that was already changing <laughs> hugely uh, their lifestyle. So, um, yeah, and it's, it's, it keeps increasing. That's the, the most funny part. So that, that was for us a real life lesson that, you know, we had been, been reading all those books. We had been reading The Secret. We had been reading uh, all the law of attraction um, theories. But now by doing it, and really grabbing life by the balls and just taking the leap of faith and change it, it showed us that it works. You know, I could have never expected a year before that that I would be in television or that I would be in a, in a, a documentary or that I would get paid to, to speak on stage. You know, so that that showed me, okay, this is something you can really do. This is something we need to teach other people, and that, that that's how it developed now, and it's still developing too to more and more and more. We are even at the mo at this point, we were contacted uh, two weeks ago. Um, I can't say too much about it but because I don't know for sure if you're going to do it, but we were contacted by, um, I think it's a reality television show, The Kardashians. My kids know it. They, they, there was a contact and asked us if we wanted to do this as well, you know, by a U.S. company. Um, so, so it's getting bigger and bigger. In a week or now, in two weeks' time, we, we are invited in a cruise ship, you know. We will be on this cruise ship. It's, it's, it's taking all kind of strange uh, turns in life if you, if you just yeah, have, have the faith in letting loose. But I think that's uh, what I want. I'm th I talk a lot, don't I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting, Didi. It's like, it's, it's crazy that, um, that, yeah, that so many people that, uh, that, that might be questioning um, well, we imagine the people that are going to come and, you know, uh, join the summit and, and participate and, uh, and watch the videos are all having these questions swimming around in their minds. So to get like, um, the answers from people that have been there and done that and share their experience and their knowledge, it's going to start ticking off so many boxes and helping people come over a lot of their fears. Um, yeah. your story though is, uh, Unique in the fact that you're now, not only are you world schooling or homeschooling or unschooling, because as we talked off camera, this is what is coined, is coined all these yeah. different words. Um, but you're now part of this financial revolution, which is another big question around what, you know, people are asking, what is this? What is cryptocurrency? What is Bitcoin? I don't think many people are aware that it, this has been around since just after the financial crisis in 2008. 
So we're 11 yeah. years into this and it hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone bankrupt. And um, what, what do you say to people that think it's still internet geek money and um, how, how can you help people overcome a fear around perhaps joining this, this financial revolution as we call it? Um, it's very easy. You know, people, a lot of people think that Bitcoin and blockchain are there to become filthy rich again. Um, that's not the real fundamentals uh, behind Bitcoin and blockchain. So yes, of course, I'm very confident in the fact that if you invest now in Bitcoin, and I'm very confident that Bitcoin will once, will one time will be above $100,000 for one Bitcoin. So yes, it's a good investment in the long term, in my opinion, not to get rich tomorrow, but to get rich in the next four or five years. But that's, that's not um, why we stepped into it. We stepped in the, into it for the real fundamentals. If you look at how we as Western society have tried to help people um, all over the world by donating, we discovered like after 20, 30 years now of donating, giving things to, to, to those countries that, that, that didn't help those countries. You know, if you keep giving fish um, to a guy in South Africa, he never learns to fish himself. So now we are understanding that, um, you know, in, instead of just donating, you need to do impact investments or you need to go to the countries and help them or educate them. And that's exactly where Bitcoin and uh, blockchain comes um, around because Bitcoin and blockchain are there to include all those people that have now are excluded from the monetary system. Bitcoin and blockchain are there to include the unbanked. Can you imagine a guy, you know, I'm from, my father is from the Moroccan Islands. I've been there, I showed my kids the Moroccan Islands. On the island where we came from, um, it's called Haruku. All the people living there don't have a bank account. They are not allowed to have a bank account. Why not? Because they don't have a paid job. They just fish and do the, the land and just provide themselves of food. They are not allowed to have a bank account. They don't have a fixed income. How can those people be included in the monetary system? How can they buy something online, an eBay store? Or how can they rent out their beautiful house on the beach through Airbnb? They can't because they are excluded from the monetary system because they don't have a bank account. Bitcoin is going to change this all over the world. Those people all have a simple Android telephone. They can have a Bitcoin wallet on this Android phone and pay everything all over the world already. But they don't know it yet. They don't know that the tools are there. And if they knew the tools were there, they didn't even know how to use the tools. And that's what we as a family try to achieve. We, are, we try to travel to those countries, show them what's possible in the world, how they can be included, and then educate them in how to be included. Even educate them in how can they use those tools to provide themselves of an income. And so they are not depending anymore on just donations, but they are providing themselves for many years more to come of an income and, and include themselves in the system. So that's the only thing I can say <laughs> about Bitcoin. That's the passion for me. Um, include those people. Wow. Could you give us an example, like um, or one or two examples of, of people that you've met and taken through this and like the, the feeling they get once they kind of like understand what it is that you're teaching them and the revelation that 
what now they can be part of the global economy? Yeah, for example, um, there was one um, guy, I, I met him in, in, let's see where I met him the first time, because I met him two times. The first time I met him in Thailand, and the second time I met him in Jakarta. It's an Indian guy, and this guy um, had an orphanage in India. Um, but he started this orphanage, and if you start it, you can only use your private bank account and everything. But India is not like very liberated, I think, and in, 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 if you want to have donations from abroad, then you have to be registered, and you have to have this number and everything. And to have those numbers to be um, accepted as a, as a, as a real, um, how do you call it, a real NGO, it's not very easy. So I told the guy, just open your website and put your cryptocurrency wallets on there. And he's like, how am I going to do this? And I'm just, I will help you in a simple way because I don't have much time, but open a Binance account, and it's the crypto exchange, and then you use those crypto addresses you can see there, and you just put them on your website that people can fund you by cryptocurrency. And he's like, why would they fund me by cryptocurrency? What is it? And I'm like, it's very easy. If I am in Holland, and your um, orphanages in India, I can send one euro in six seconds without any cost. And he's like, nah, that's not possible. If you send it, if, you, if people transit from the Netherlands by bank, it takes five days, you know, and there are some costs. And when, I, uh, when you send it and everything, say, yeah, no, no, no. This is Bitcoin, this is something else. I can send it now, and in six seconds, you will receive it. And even if it's just one euro, you won't have any cost. And he didn't believe it. So I took my, my telephone, my wallet, and um, I opened his uh, Binance account. I took my telephone, I sent it, and it was like six minutes. It took, the internet was not as fast. And Bitcoin was like, at that point, it was a little bit slow. But it took six minutes. And he had one euro 40 on his bank, on his Bitcoin wallet. And he was like, wow, that fast? But who, who, didn't you need to ask somebody for agreement? Or your, so no, this is Bitcoin. It's peer-to-peer, -peer. it's person-to-person. -person. Nobody can stop this transaction. No bank, no government, no tax company. It's just you and me switching from uh, value, uh, exchanging value. Just the same way I would give you $1 cash, it's the same way, but now digital. And that makes it possible now, if you open a Bitcoin wallet on your website, that all the world can exchange value with you in a few seconds without anybody stopping this transaction. And that blew his mind. And then he was like, this is not possible. This is... Then he opened his website and added all those wallets on it. And I started to tweet this on Twitter and everything to, to cryptocurrency guys, you know, help those guys, help those people. If they have 150 euros a month, they can feed 25 kids. We try to educate um, uh, those charities all over the world. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And that's another... That's another... Uh, Again, Diddy, you're leaving me speechless. It, it, it's <laughs> really, but it's, it's, so, it's that simple. I was in Thailand. I was in Thailand last uh, January, February. I met a German family, a very beautiful German family. The guy was called Stefan. And they wanted to go to Peru. They wanted to save uh, the rainforest uh, in Peru by buying ground and starting their uh, community, um, you know, of the great community living of uh, the, the clear uh, water and everything. Um, he needed to send his friend in Peru money to buy a car. 
The guy tried to send it by bank. It didn't work. The guy tried to send it by Western Union. They asked that amount of money. It's like 18% in total. He didn't want to do this. The guy wanted to send money from his wife's account. Then that was stopped because it was not the correct person sending the money. He had all those problems. And then he came to me and I said, Stefan, use Bitcoin. And he was like, Didi, man, I don't even know what it is. And I told him, this is, I, I, I showed him my website. There is this um, step, step uh, plan where, where you can learn how to open a wallet and everything. And I sent it to his friend in Peru. Now, he made a wallet on his telephone. It took him like a half an hour or something and he was finished. He wasn't that quick on telephones. And then I said to Stefan, here, let's do it now. So we sat down with him on the beach in Thailand. I sent the guy 20 euros to donate a little bit. It took a minute and the guy responded to Stefan, hey, this money is already here. It's on my wallet. Then I showed the guy in which city in Peru he could go with his telephone and could exchange it to real money because there also are ATM machines where you can just hold your phone and then exchange it to money. And he tried this and it worked. So the $20 test worked. And then after that, he could send as much as he wanted without anybody you know, asking those crazy amounts of, of, of limits. So that's all, these are all examples of how I try to practically educate people why we need to use Bitcoin. So the use, we don't have this use in Europe yet. You know, we have our credit cards, we have our bank accounts, we have our debt cards, we all have that luxury. Yeah? But think about the people in the Moluccan islands. Think about the people in Venezuela, where the devaluation of uh, currency is a huge thing of the people in Tanzania. Think of the people in Greece and Cyprus that had more than 100k on the bank account and that money was just confiscated by, by the government to save the economy. That was hard-earned money. This, will, this is never possible in Bitcoin. So th there are many reasons <laughs> I want to convince people to step into this beautiful economical evolution, revolution, however you call it. Uh, but it's, it is going to change the world. It's already changing. Yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was um, able to educate myself a little bit around it uh, like uh, four or five years ago as well and um, seeing the, um, the difference it can make to people. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, you know, we, we forget when in the Western world that uh, you know, like banking and, and things like that, even having an address just comes so natural. Um, but in reality, there are like probably three or four billion people that are completely unbanked, underserved, unaddressed, and yeah. living out there just completely outside of of the system. Right. <laughs> yes. You, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now. Exposing your your children to this now, um, how I, 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 can you even put into words like the difference, the different kind of level of education they're getting now, like being exposed to this and being around you and your wife all day long, and seeing firsthand the difference that you're making to people compared to what would have been happening in, with their education. And a Waldorf school is like a, a progressive school, that's a, an outside of the, the box school itself. Yeah. So um, it must be night and day. Can you, can you talk anything about that? Yeah, of course. You know, the, the, even the, the Rudolf Steiner school, it's an outbox school, but even they are now um, being told by the government in the Netherlands that they need to confirm themselves in rules. 
So the kids at that school at the end need to do the same test as all the other kids, you know. And then exactly we come back to the same point, you know. If we judge a fish by climbing a tree, <laughs> it will feel stupid all its life, you know. So I have never understood how school how schools could educate people on what is happening outside. How can you educate those kids about what's happening outside if you just keep them inside? Um, and I'm not saying that what we are doing is the best way, and, and I'm not saying it's the perfect way for everybody, but it's the perfect way for people that would love to have kids that are a little bit different and a little bit more creative than the other ones. Because, you know, they are all created into small zombie robots, in my opinion. Sorry for expressing me like this. Um, myself, I guess. But I think the way we try to tackle it, at first we try to have a structure. You know, we, we tried, okay, we will try one hour a day every morning. And then we just discovered, okay, that, that's not working, you know. <laughs> so, and then um, we try to give them weekly tasks. We, we, we just make like this weekly um I, I'm always saying we, but my wife um, is the one who does this the most. Of course, <laughs> she's very good at this. She has a little bit more patient than me. But and then she made like this weekly list of to-do things. You need to read this, and, or you need to write a piece about that, and um, you need to do this kinds of mathematics stuff. And that 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 went pretty well. But again, we discovered that you know they they were also learning by just living they were learning because we visited an elephant and we washed the elephant and we fed the elephant and we talked to the people who took care of the elephant. They learned a lot about this. So then we switched to a system where we thought, okay, let's just take life, how it is. And every time we do something special or we think it's special or educate the kids, we ask them, can you please write a small report on what we did? And we were in Norway, we were at those waterfalls we saw that this waterfalls uh, could provide people of electricity. Can you please write one, a one-pager about what you saw yeah, and, and make a story out of it? So th that's what we try to do. And then, of course, we use um, a Khan Academy. We use Duolingo. The kids, uh, one of the kids discovered herself. She was like, I want to teach. I want to learn Spanish. And she started to Google, and she found Duolingo. So she started to educate herself in Spanish. The youngest one has never, got, went, has never been to school. She is, uh, at the moment, she's nine. She just had her birthday. She can write. She can read. She can speak Dutch. She speaks English. She understands German. Speaks it a little bit. She counts, I think, in 10 different uh, languages. And all without ever having, having attended school. So that was because you always doubt as a family, are we doing the right thing? But that was for us a confirmation. You know, that was like, wow. Yes, we doubt it, but you know this kid, this 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 kid taught herself everything. Even their older sister helped her with writing exercises. Of course, she's not the best reader at the moment, and she can improve her writing skills as well. Um, but they have time. They have time till they are twenty-five. In the Netherlands, people, you know, stop with school when they are thirty. You know, okay, they have a lot of depths. Our skills kids won't have any school depths, <laughs> but they will have the same knowledge at the end if they know that more knowledge. So we, we just try to try to, to, to tackle education in a practical way and it's different in every situation. It's different when we are in Thailand and it's different when we are in the Netherlands and we just, you know, we just go with the flow because else you get this pressure 
on your shoulders as a parent. You need to be a parent and a teacher, and, you know, and a friend because you're traveling 24-7 with each other. And that's a situation which is def- very difficult to handle if you want to be all those three roles. So we, we try to you know, um, leave it a little bit open. Yeah, <clears throat> I know exactly where you're coming from. Wearing those three hats is, uh, is very difficult. Um, and you touched on the reading thing there, which is, a, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you touched on the reading thing there, which is a, a good analogy. Um, I, I don't think any of us could ever, I, I didn't learn to read at school. I don't think I've met anybody that learned to read at school. I think you learn to read at home at the kitchen table with your mom and dad or your brothers and sisters, like you just said. You don't go to school to learn to read. No, that's exactly. But you know what it is? We are, we all grew up in a society. We are those, <laughs> we are we are educated to be those uh, zombie robots. We are educated to be a materialist. We are educated to accumulate as much as possible wealth, create debts, buy it. We forgot that we need to educate our own kids. No, it's easy. You just send them off to school and we just make money, money, money. And if you just focus on making money, then there is no time even to focus um, on educating your kids. And then you feel stressed because you know, you are doing so much already. You're working and you're doing your sports and you have your networks and your family and friends. And then there is no time left to educate your kids. But if you live a free traveling life, you have all the time to educate your kids. It's completely different because there is no real job. There is no nine till five mentality. So you can, you know, you can take the time for your kids. And then people need also to consider that, you know, if you, if your, kids are, if your kid is in a classroom with 20 other kids, of course you need eight hours to educate that kid. But if I educate my kid one-on-one, I don't need eight hours. So, and that's the fear you have if you start to travel and if you start to unschool or homeschool your kids, you always have this fear because you, you're basing your opinion on the way you are used to live. And it's very difficult to imagine how it could be if you're not working from eight to five, if you have all the time for your kids, if you can spend one-on-one time with your kid. And that's, that's a huge gap because it's difficult for people to imagine how that would be. And then when they do it, they, they all, all the families I have been um, meeting during our travels, they, are all, they all had the same uh, walkthrough. And they all, had, at the end, you have, they have the same result. They all have, wow, yeah, it works. <laughs> it does work. <laughs> we are not stupid. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it brings up the question, you know, what does it mean to be educated? So, yeah, for, for me, educa- education means that you, um, you become one with yourself and the world. That's for me, education. So a kid needs to understand what is the world, what is food? How does food, you know, how, how do you make? How do you find? How do you create food? It's not just buying in the supermarket. <laughs> you can also plant a tree and then wait till the apple grows and, you know, pluck it and eat it. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's where the education needs to start, you know. Um, and for me, it's just sharing wealth and, and the wealth of knowledge, you know, the wealth of, maybe the wealth is not the right word. Sorry for my English. Just sharing the knowledge, you know, sharing all the things that life is about. Why don't kids on school get yoga classes? Why don't kids on school get meditation classes? 
these are the things we, we need to educate our kids. To, to, if we want to improve the world in, in the long term, um, we need to educate our kids on how to improve this world. And not to, how to become oil for a few um, huge machines and they just are going to use you as oil. So yeah, everybody sees education different, I think. Um, for me, education means, if you want to put it in a short word, uh, preparing your kids for the future and not for the past. And I would say you're certainly preparing your kids for the future, exposing them to Bitcoin as much as you are. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any kids in the world at the moment that are so clued into, okay, that they, they might not be right behind the decoding and, you know, understand exactly, exactly what, you know, blockchain and nodes and all of this other buzz language is, but they understand the difference it's making to people and where this is going to take us, uh, you know, take the global economy and um, the human species. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that, that's exactly. You know, they, they don't know how to code and everything, and 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 you know, and we just educate them in the fundamentals and and how. Even last week, even last week, the kids were like, "Okay, uh, um, Dad, my my friend, we are in the Netherlands at the moment. My friend has a bank account and and she has this card and then she can pay everywhere. It's okay. So you want to try it? Yeah, yeah, let's try it. It's okay, let's do it. You know, I'm, I don't hate banks. They 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 brought me where I, are, I am now, but I I believe they need to evolve as well. Um, so I told my kids, yeah, okay, let's get a bank account. So it took like uh, a week before they even had a bank account. And then I told them on Sunday, now let's go and uh, deposit some money on your bank. <laughs> of course, the banks are closed on Sunday. They'll work. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. And then, like, and then I tell them, okay, this is not possible with Bitcoin. I can do this 24-7, 365 days a, week, a year. Okay, yeah, that's different. Then on Monday, the bank was open, and I talk, took them to the bank, and they had all their birthday this, year, this month, so they had some, um, uh, you know, those paper things, which they call money, and you, people believe in value about them, so they had it, because family gave them. And then I told them on Monday, okay, let's go to the bank on Monday and uh, to deposit this, and then we went there, and then the deposit machine was broken, so they couldn't deposit it. So that was perfect for me to show them again okay this is why we believe in bitcoin but it doesn't work anymore and that's how we try to educate our kids in cryptocurrency we don't brainstorm them to to, to bitcoin kids or whatever but yeah we show them the, the advantages and also the disadvantages of cryptocurrency because there are some disadvantages in this industry as well because we are just starting it's not uh, it's, it's just it, 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 we, we, we need to grow you know it's like the beginning of the mess of uh, uh, not the Maslow, it's the, uh, the beginning of this, um, this market cycle now. I forgot his name. And, 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 and we need to um, yeah, evolve. So, for example, one of the things, why I wanted to try for the kids to have this bank account, that they could see that Bitcoin doesn't, works better. But on the other hand, it's not possible yet for children below 18 years old to have a Bitcoin debit card. So I have a debit card. It's Visa supported. My bitcoins are on it, and everywhere in the world where I pay with this card, my bitcoins are exchanged into Thai baht, euro, dollar, whatever, on the day rate when I spend it. And for kids below 18, it's not possible yet. So that's a gap for somebody who's watching. If you want to do something as a digital nomad, <laughs> invent something, hope kids can spend um, digital cryptocurrency uh, with a card. So that's, these are still the things that need to be, you know, invented and, uh, uh, in this cryptocurrency industry. But that also shows you that we are really at the start. 
Yes, and um, I, I know the curve that you were uh, referring to there. It's the, uh, the like the mass adoption curve. Roger Bell. It's Roger Bell's curve. Right. Is that the one where you start with uh, the um, innovators? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so where do you think we are on that curve? Because it goes uh, innovators, early adopters, mass adoption, and then laggards, if I've got that right. Um, I think at the moment we are not anymore, we are not at the innovators um, stage. I, I think we are now slowly in the corner of going up. So um, I think we still have to, we still have like five, Ten years ahead of huge, um, of, of of huge growing in this industry. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about um, the journey that you took through through Europe. Uh, I believe. Uh, well, I've seen pictures. I don't believe I've seen pictures of you guys in a big bus, labelled all over the place, the Bitcoin family camper van, driving through Europe trying to raise awareness. Uh, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? And then we'll talk about what uh, your, your next project, which is even crazier. So uh, tell us about the Europe One first. The Europe One thing, when we had all the media attention, um, at, a, at a certain point as a family, we got, no, I didn't get sick of it, but the family got sick of it because it was not fun anymore, so much attention. So we escaped to Thailand. <laughs> and we were on the beach in Thailand, this Russian guy, came up to us and he's like are you this guy from the bitcoin and he showed me his telephone and said yeah we are that guy and it took two weeks before arthur came and he flew from germany and made another documentary so and then we were not um it was not that quite anymore on the on, on copangan as well and so we needed to do something else and so my wife and i sat on the beach and we were like what are we going to do are we going to use this Bitcoin family thing or are we just going to tell everybody now in the media, no, stop it, we don't want it. And we discovered that we could use it as a tool uh, to educate people, you know. We, we, it's, it's a platform for us. We, we, people were uh, started following us and so we could use this platform um, to spread the wealth equally across the world. You know, we, we see that Robin Hood, take it there and bring it to the poor, you know. <laughs> and uh, at that point, this guy called me and he's like, uh, Didi, is it a great, isn't it a great idea if you just discover Europe uh, with a camper van? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm in Thailand and I don't want to buy a camper van. Bitcoin is going up. I'm not going to touch my Bitcoins. No, 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 that's not a problem, he said. If, you're, if, you, if you will arrive at home, the camper van will be there. It will be sticking with logos and you will be able to drive around um, Europe. And I, I like, what do I need to pay? No, 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 nothing. We sponsor it. It's okay. And said, who's going to pay the gasoline? No, no we sponsored the gasoline. Yeah, that, 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 was the, that was the moment that we said, okay, do we want to explore Europe? We asked the kids. And they were like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So we flew home. And on the 26th of May, this camper van was brought to, uh, to our campsite. Uh, yeah, we started driving Europe, the camper van, and is discovering Bitcoin and cryptocurrency all over um, so we went to Norway, to Sweden, Finland, Denmark. Uh, we did Germany, France, um, Bosnia, Croatia, Slovenia, Italy, Spain, Portugal, England. So uh, yeah, we drove the, the camper van through all those countries and we visited all cities that uh, where Bitcoin adoption was like, and companies and did interviews. And we filmed more than, I think, 300 hours of, um, of, uh, 
video um, about interviewing people and, and, and just spending bitcoins in stores and buying bitcoins at um, in Switzerland at, a, at, at the train station, uh, buying bitcoins in Spain at a Carrefour, all the things that people don't know yet. And, and we did it and we filmed this. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so you can use them in supermarkets and places in, the, uh, in Europe right now. Uh, it's, it's, people don't even know how far um, Bitcoin and blockchain already have evolved. You know, if you walk into this train station in Switzerland and you go uh, uh, to Zurich in the train station, the biggest train station in Switzerland, you have this ticket machine where you buy a train ticket. The same machine, you buy your Bitcoins. You buy a train ticket from Zurich to Zug, then you click on the button other, and you say buy Bitcoins, then you hold your telephone beneath the QR scanner, it scans your wallet, you put in 20 euros, 50 euros, whatever you want, and it sends you the Bitcoins. So this is already happening in Switzerland at a train station. If you go to Spain, if you go to Italy, or if you go to France, you have the Carrefour in France. And every Carrefour in France, Spain, and Italy you can buy Bitcoin with cash at the cash register. You just go there, you pay your groceries and you ask this woman, can I buy some Bitcoins? And then she, she says, of course. And then she gives you, you give her 200 euros. She uh, gives you a, a receipt with a QR code and there is a Bitcoin QR code on and you go online and you transfer this one into, um, into, into Bitcoin. This is provided by a company called Bitnovo in Spain. And they are now rolling it out in France. They already rolled it out in, uh, in Spain and Italy. Yeah. So it's evolving everywhere. So can you imagine that the people of the Scarafour stores, they are already, you know, the, the, the employees are being educated in Bitcoin because of this. Because they now understand what Bitcoin is because they sell it. So the next step is that they are going to accept Bitcoin directly as a payment. This is it. Right. Okay. I have a car for five minutes from my house. I'm going there this afternoon because my parents are arriving tomorrow and we, we wanted to stock up on some, uh, some goods. Wine yeah. and beer, don't tell anyone that. But uh, yeah. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try this uh, this yeah. afternoon and I'll send you a text and, uh, and I'll let you know whether I managed to buy Bitcoin uh, five minutes down the road from me in my local car for. So this is- I'm, a I'm, Yeah, because I don't know for sure if all France is covered yet, Spain and Italy are. Um, and again, if you, if you Google the website bitnovo.com, and you will find all the Carrefour and addresses in France as well. Okay, cool. Well, we'll do this uh, uh, after the interview off camera. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out and uh, <laughs> I will update this on the summit. Let's hope, let's hope this works. Okay, um, cool. So, right, next project, Didi, because uh, we talked about this briefly and, you know, it blew me away. Um, Please, uh, please, can you share with us what you're going to be doing next uh, and how you're going to raise awareness to, uh, to more people about Bitcoin? Um, so during those traveling, um, during the travels of the two and a half years uh, solely on cryptocurrency, we also discovered by talking to a lot of people that most people are in the industry for the, for the wrong reason. Most people are in this industry for the moonshot or for the Lamborghini, you know, the mentality of getting rich. And even when we, our capital increased tremendously because of Bitcoin going up, we didn't use it. Even at that point, if we would have cashed it, you know, we would have a very easy life. But we still 
um, discovered that we were also happy with not cashing it. We were just happy with the two and a half K amounts we need to live. So that reminded me of the fundamentals of Bitcoin. And that's why we thought of, okay, let's, let's do something new. Let's, let's do something that really helps people. And that's why we decided to create this new tour where we will buy um, probably a Toyota Land Cruiser. <laughs> you know you should. You know you should. <laughs> yeah. uh, because you advised me to. <laughs> so it will be a Toyota Land Cruiser uh, with two of those rooftop tents. And it started raining here. Uh, with two rooftop tents. And then we will um, travel the world. There was this uh, award-winning team that contacted us that wants to make a documentary about um, what we did the last two and a half years. So all the 300 hours of footage, they want to create a documentary out of this. How did it go? What did we find out? How went it emotionally with the family and the changing? So a beautiful piece of 25, 30 minutes. And then we want to screen this documentary all over the world on Bitcoin and blockchain and uh, company uh, conferences or events and educate people in the fundamentals. So we will show this, we will screen the documentary, then we will do a Q&A on stage that people can ask about things. And then on top of that, we will do Bitcoin challenges, where we challenge people in the area of the event to live on crypto solely, or to go for dinner for crypto, and to gamify a little bit the cryptocurrency spending and education at the same time. And we will do treasure hunts. So we will hide a Bitcoin treasure on the ledger somewhere in town, and then on a very uh, nice way, we will uh, send out uh, clues. And the person that finds out or that solves the clues the first and finds the treasure the, the first uh, can keep the treasure, the one Bitcoin. So those three aspects we are going to take from town to town. So we're going to start, for example, in Bulgaria, Sofia. We do a conference over there. Then we take a car drive into India. We do a conference over there, then to Thailand, then to uh, Australia to South Africa to South America and we just continue keeping doing this and all the things we will do so the speaking on conferences the treasurers the challenges all the revenue we will get out of this we will donate to charity or do impact investment with us which we also will do at the same time if we are in Bulgaria we for example uh, we earn one Bitcoin let's say eight thousand dollars at the moment we will drive to a charity or we ask the, 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 the people, okay, which charity should we yeah, help? And then we will drive there and we will give them and we will educate the charity in how to accept cryptocurrency in the future. Or we will, you know, do an impact investment at a local store that wants to make business uh, out of cryptocurrency, for example. And then we film this as well. And this will be shared peer-to-peer -peer as well. So this whole tool will be about sharing and caring, about showing the world that life can, can, can be not just about accumulating wealth, but also about sharing wealth, sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge. And that's, that's yeah, that's in short what we are going to do the next couple of years. <laughs> well, that's amazing. So a two, at least a two year project, it sounds more like to me like a lifetime project. Um, you know, your passion is clear for everybody to see. What, um, what would be your final kind of thoughts around, to, if we just bring it back to helping people overcome fears around uh, decisions over like the, the, the kids' education, is there any kind of like parting wisdom that you could, you know, perhaps give to families that 
are facing a tough decision at the moment. They know something's not quite right, whether it's with their career or with their kid's education, um, or they've got a decision to make where to put their kid. Um, they're not convinced by the system. Um, is there any kind of parting wisdom or knowledge that you'd be able to share there? Um, yeah, I think people just need to understand that, you know, I, I think it's about 20% of the world um, is students. You know, at the moment, 20% of our, uh, of our total society are students. And people need to understand that those students in a few years' time will be 100% of our future, you know? <laughs> and so if they will be 100% of our future, I think we need to educate those kids for the future. We don't need to educate the kids for the past. Which, are the, which is what the schools at the moment are doing. The technology is evolving in such a rapid way that education for kids doesn't have to be in a classroom anymore. You have Khan Academy, which has thousands of courses and educations and tutors and people that are there to help your kids in, in your education. Look at how your schools are creating very competitive kids at the moment. You know, they all need to score an A or a 10 because they need to be the best. Do you like this? No. Prepare your kids to collaborate, you know, to, to be the kid that works together, to be the kid that networks and that, you know, is emotionally intelligent instead of like, um, you know, normal intelligence because that's where artificial intelligence will come in into the future the things that we are teaching these kids now in schools i think ai will cover all those things <laughs> we will need some creative kids so it and it, it's always difficult if you create if you want to take this huge step in life but if you compare it like your first bungee jump you're on the ratch of this jump and then you're there and you're like looking down and you're like, I'm not going to jump. No way, I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to, oh, that's too high. You get, you get afraid, you get this fear, you know? And then you get a small push of this guy behind you and he pushes you and then you enjoy all the trip falling down and at the end you, you get up and you're like, I'm going to do it again and then again and again. I think that's the same feeling you have if you try to switch from this fear, from this normal traditional lifestyle to this digital nomad homeschooling lifestyle. It feels strange. It feels a little bit you, you afraid. You can feel this fear. But if you change, it feels like um, it, feels, it feels like heaven. Maybe I exaggerate a little bit, but you know, you get you get this, wow, it is possible. And that's that's what I try to educate people in. You know, you if you see this closed door, open the door. Walk through the door. If you like what you're seeing, you stay. If you don't like what you're seeing, go back through the door, close the door again, and go back to what you did. So why wouldn't you try it? You have tried this for 10 years now. Okay, so what do you do? You go to your government, you ask the government, I wanna have one school year off. I wanna try it. Take your kids from school one year. Go on this trip you ever always wanted to make with your family. Then try to educate your kids in that year. If you don't succeed, if you don't like it, you go back to school. You know what you missed out? The kids missed out on one year of school. So many kids need to do a class double, two times. Just because, you know, it's the same. Your kids will not graduate when you're 24, but 25. Wow. <laughs> they can start life a little bit later. So I, I, I do think, you know, the fear of losing everything kills all your dreams. So if people lose the fear, um, they can start dreaming. Perfect advice. And 
it's been a common thread actually from from families that have taken that year out um, from for wherever they might live. It, you know, not necessarily just Holland or UK or Australia or America. All over the world, people have done this, and they found that when they've got their kids back into school, they've ended up having to skip a year ahead because of the education and everything else that has just been soaked into their minds when they're on the trip. We had exactly the same experience because what I told you, we needed to go home after the first 11 months and I needed to go into school. And when I needed to go in court, my kids needed to be in school because else I would have been punished way um, harder. So I sent my kids back to school at that point when we came home for two, three months and they tested the kids, of course, as well and everything. And, 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 and in, main, in most subjects, they were ahead. And some subjects, they're not. But, you know, I could see the difference be- between kids that were also evolved emotionally and became like almost, you know, world-wise. <laughs> How do you say it? And the difference between the kids that just kept in school and didn't evolve um, very healthy as well, physical. Um, you, can, you, you see it. You know, you, I think 80% of the United States of the kids are, um, have overweight problem because um, they just go to school, come home, are tired, and grab their iPad or their laptop and sit again. And so they sit all day. And that's another example why I think it's very uh, um, important to show your kids the world. You get them moving again, you get to move yourself again. I need to start moving again because I've been sitting and trading too much on the Bitcoin thing. <laughs> but the next two will start soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you could speak with with one person or one body of people in a room, just you and them for a couple of hours um, to explain to them like the power of, of Bitcoin and homeschooling or world schooling, who would you like to be able to reach? I would, wow, that's a difficult one. Um, so I, I, I need to have somebody who's not in blockchain and crypto yet. Uh, that's a very difficult one. I think I would try to reach. I don't want to keep it to the Netherlands because that's that's way too small. Yeah, let's keep it to the Netherlands now because the system is not. I would I would try to reach the prime minister of the Netherlands and talk to them and show them what and what blockchain, crypto, and the future will look like and how my kids have been educated without going to school. Let's keep it Dutch. The Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. And what, what's, what's the name there, Didi? What is the Prime Minister's name? <laughs> the Prime Minister's name, at the moment, it's, he's called uh, Rutten. I don't, I don't like him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Even more reason to get him in a room and help him understand the power of Bitcoin and the power of schooling, uh, unschooling and world schooling, or even at least, at least to get like a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency blockchain curriculum into the school so we can start arming our kids around, you know, finance. Well, let's hope we can get you uh, like uh, in front of these people. So you oh. know, that, that would be a um, perfect, perfect platform for you. Um, yeah, but I don't know where do you get this platform? You know, that's what I try. We try to blog, we try to blog. Uh, our reach is not big. Um, many people ask me, Didi, why don't you have like 100k followers? Uh, what's happening? And I'm like, you know, it's just not sexy to 
to sell this uh, minimalist lifestyle, solely living on crypto, helping poor. You know, it's way more sexy to tell people how to become millionaire. Uh, and that's why those, yeah, those social influencers have that amount of followers because they so they try to sell you how to become a millionaire. And I'm trying to sell you <laughs> how to uh, take care of the rest of the world. <laughs> Not everybody is searching for that goal in life. So um, I hope there will be a moment that uh, there is a platform that, that understands what we are doing and, um, and, and, and maybe then, yeah, maybe that will wake up some uh, people all over the world that, that need to be waked up. Well, Didi, thank you so much for your time today. Um, in, invaluable insights and experience that um, hopefully people can learn a lot from. Where can people find you if, uh, if they wanted to um, reach out to you? Uh, where should we point them to? I know you have a blog. Is there anything else that um, uh, your Twitter account perhaps? Yeah, we have um, my Twitter is just my name, Didi Taihutu. Um, and all other things, you can just find it under the, Bit, the Bitcoin family. So the website is also thebitcoinfamily.com or Instagram is the Bitcoin family or Twitter is also the Bitcoin family, Facebook. So um, it's all, if you just Google the Bitcoin family, you will find everything. And uh, of course, all the links to our social media are on our website as well. And the only thing which is different is my Twitter handle because it's my only name because I just tweet a little bit more than family. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Diddy. You're very welcome. And um yeah, very. Uh, I wish you a lot of uh, uh, good luck with um, um, setting and creating up this huge um, movement you're doing at the moment for helping people understand homeschooling and unschooling. So uh, I think you're doing a very beautiful job and uh, I want to thank you for this. Thank you so much. And like I said, I'll let you know if I can uh, go and buy some Bitcoin in my local Carrefour and uh, <laughs> I'm come and visit us in France when you're driving through on your next tours. Definitely will do that. Thanks very much. You're welcome.